You're listening to Ants Talk. My next guest was sexually molested from the age of seven by her uncle, while also being physically abused by her father until the age of 15. Through many more challenges, she went on to much better things and lives a life in hope to inspire other women to overcome their challenges to have extraordinary experiences. Welcome to the show, Vivian Vong. Hi, Vivian. How are you? I'm doing well, Anthony. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I just got to see your view and, oh, you are so blessed. (laughs) Yes, we're sitting inside the Anchorage in Newport, Rhode Island. And it's absolutely glorious there. I'm so jealous. (laughs) So, Vivian, tell us about your childhood. Well, let's see. I am... The firstborn American in my Filipino and Vietnamese family, and my maternal grandmother took me to the Philippines when I was about 18 months old. Uh, my mother was about 21 when she had me, so she needed to finish college. And so, you know, my mom and grandmother worked out, you know, my grandmother would take care of me in the Philippines, and I lived with her for about almost four years. And so when I came back to the States, I was a little bit detached from my parents because, you know, we didn't have a relationship and Mm. they were in their 20s when they were raising me. So they were just very focused on their career. And my father is the oldest of uh, five kids and they were all Vietnamese refugees from the war. So they have very violent kind of upbringing. And I think that what happened when he was raising me was kind of backlashed and his emotions, I guess, growing up in violence made him violent while he was raising me. Mm. So to explain it, he was just a very emotionally um, and indifferent. So like, Whenever I reacted emotionally, he would react by hitting me. Right. Or if I didn't eat anything that was put on the table, he would hit me. Gotcha. Or if I did anything wrong, you know. Um, so I was uh, about eight years old when he hit me with a belt for the first time. And it was really weird for me to experience it because my mom was standing there in the room. And to be honest, I think that with her seeing her daughter hit like that, she didn't want to stop him because I think that she was afraid of him doing the same to her. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah. And then I, uh, I grew up in Vegas um, where sex and nudity was very open and I mean, I had classmates whose mothers were exotic dancers and pornography was very, you know, mainstream and it was just everywhere. And yeah, my uncle had molested me and he had also shown me pornography um, quite often when I would go over there because I had his kids were a little bit younger than me, but he'd take me and show me pornography and on his computer and i just thought you know as a young kid like oh i guess this is normal yeah but i never i never told my parents until i was older so i think you know dealing with all that 
I kept it inside and not until a few years ago during the Me Too movement was I, I, I started to listen to other women's stories and their um, upbringings or whatever downfalls that they had. And I started to understand that, you know, I'm not the only one that this mm. has happened to and that there are so many women who are victims of sexual abuse or physical abuse or... And not even and, women, men too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I think that that whole movement kind of helped me overcome my silence. Mm. And then I started talking about it and kind of, you know, I, I'll never heal from it, but I feel like if I just keep going and moving forward and, you know, what I told my family was, look, you guys have younger daughters because I'm the oldest of 13 cousins. And I wow. said, look, you guys have young daughters in the house. Um, just be aware that this happened and maybe you can do something to protect your daughters so that doesn't mm. happen to, or at least talk to them and say, Hey, you know, this isn't right or, you know, um, teach them to be open about what happens to them behind closed doors too. Yeah. Cause I kind of trust was never mentioned with me and my family. Me, me, me and my parents um, never taught me um, that talking, being outspoken like that was okay. Mm. I think it's, I think it's really important to continue talking about it because I do believe that talking about it does lead to healing. Um, right. And I also think that it's really important because it is so much more prevalent than what we believed. Um, right. Sexual abuse happens all around the world every day to so Perfect. many people. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that the more that we talk about it, the more that we normalize it. So people are really aware and, and, and keeping a little bit of their eyes out for the hints that are there because a lot of people I think would sometimes maybe think that something is a little odd or a little strange, but they just put it away thinking, Oh, that, that couldn't be happening where right. I think if we're more aware and more able to report these things to the authorities and stuff like that, it will start to make a change. Cause I think it's essential that we do. Do was your uncle ever held accountable for his actions? No, he wasn't. Wow. Um, I actually kind of just stopped talking to him. He's also an alcoholic. And I think that, you know, especially with alcoholics that start in the morning and go through, go through drinking mm. all throughout the evening, they're not completely there. No. So even if they were to say anything, you know, this happened so long ago, but he probably wouldn't even remember or whatever, you know? I, yeah. And, I don't see him anymore whenever we have any type of family reunions or anything. Um, I just avoid him and I don't know. I don't know what I could get out of it because it's already happened. And even if he had, if even if he says sorry to me, it still it wouldn't make done. a difference. Yeah. Right. So I'd rather just ignore it. Forget <laughs> yeah, exactly. Forget about him. I didn't really ignore it. it I'll we'll ignore more, him. <laughs> yeah. More inclined to help others who either might be suffering from sexual abuse or prevent women and young girls and, you know, kids to get any harm from sexual mm. abuses. What is the one thing you took away from the experience? 
Um, did you find strength, do you think, from talking about it later I on did, in life? I did once I started to talk about it. I guess the one positive thing is that, you know, I told my family and maybe they listened enough to not let their daughters or sons be alone with people, even if they are family. I guess that's, it's a hard thing to say too, you know, because, you know, if anyone, you should trust your family. But I think that yeah. most of rape and sexual abuse happens with someone that knows know. because it's easy. Exactly. So I, think, I think maybe the one positive thing would be bringing awareness to being, bringing awareness and talking openly about it with my family because in Asian culture, it's very taboo to talk about sex at the dinner table. It's very uh, taboo for women to be outspoken. You know, um, they're very traditional. You know, for example, I have a seven-year-old brother. And because even though I'm 32 and he's seven, he is higher ranking than me because he's male. Wow. So these traditional values are still very apparent in my family. Yeah. But, I mean, every family is different. So I think, yeah, I guess the one positive thing was I was kind of the first daughter or cousin or niece to say anything. And I hope that sets the bar for the other kids to, mm. you know, be taken seriously when they need help or yeah. be taken seriously when they have trouble. And maybe my family will listen. Well, I mean, that's a very strong impact, I believe. Very strong. Now, I also know that your mum threw you out of the house at 16 and sent you to your father's where your stepmother wasn't thrilled at having you. Right. So, you know, I wasn't the best teenager. I had gone to 12 different schools before I graduated high school. So I was always the new kid and I was so sick of always moving that I just never really paid attention to my academics. Mm. Uh, I would read often by myself the books that I wanted to read. And during, I was 14, 15, I was dating a boy, was my first boyfriend, and my mom wasn't too happy about me hanging out with him all the time. So my birthday falls on spring break every year. Or, um, spring break is usually a week-long holiday for kids. And... She was like, what do you want to do for the week? And I said, I don't know. And she goes, why don't you go visit your dad? He was living in New Mexico at the time. And so I said, okay. So I hop on a plane and I spend the week with my dad and my stepmom who's pregnant. And they had just been married about two years prior. So their relationship is new. And, you know, she was, she knows that I exist, but she didn't know that I would be moving in with them. And day before I was supposed to go back home to my mom, uh, she calls and that's also my birthday. And, you know, sweet 16 is kind of a, usually a big thing in, you know, a woman's life. Yeah. And, and uh, she calls and she goes, Hey, Viv, uh, happy birthday. I uh, hope you're having a good day, but just to let you know, I, canceled your plane ticket and I'm sending all of your things down 
to New Mexico and you're going to live with your dad and stepmom. And I was like, what? And I freaked out. And, you know, she's like, hey, let me talk to your dad. He didn't know. My stepmom didn't know. And, you know, so it was very awkward. Yeah. I felt like at that time, my mom didn't want me. And then my dad and my stepmom didn't want me. So I booked a plane ticket back to Seattle from New Mexico and I ran away. I guess I didn't really run away. I just left. And there was a connection from New Mexico to Phoenix on my way to Seattle. And I was uh, changing planes and there were cops at the gate and they're checking every ticket. And of course, you know, I... I go up to the gate and they're like, you're Vivian. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. And they handcuffed me at the airport. What? And they said, uh, yeah, you're a minor. You sh- you're not allowed to just leave. And I'm like, well, I'm wow. going home to Seattle to my mom. And, you know, they didn't even really listen to me. Um, I don't know. Maybe I should have said, look, I'm not comfortable living with my dad. And we've had a, a, violent history Mm. Uh, maybe they would have said something but i knew at that point that i was in the wrong and what do you do you know we're right like i am a minor i don't have any freedom to just go on a plane that's incredible (laughs) and i was very i was very very um depressed and i remember one conversation that night that i had with my dad i said I was like wailing and crying and being uh, an emotional 16 year old. And I said, I just want to die. I want to, I can't, I can't live. I can't live like this. I want to die. And he goes, you know what, Viv, you die, you kill yourself. We're going to just, you know, what's going to happen. We're going to have a funeral. And then the next day we're just going to go on our, with our lives. So if you want to die, then just know that that's what's going to happen and yeah, we'll miss you, but you chose to end your life. And so, you know, that's not a very supportive thing to say when someone's depressed, Yeah, but I think it, I think sometimes people, there are those types of people that think the hard love is going to work. And yeah, exactly. And, 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 and a lot of the time it's the last thing we want to hear. Well, I, <laughs> it really did kind of change my perspective on things. Yeah. I was well, if, you know, you're right, I do want to live and I I just don't want to live like this. Mm. And so I kind of just let it go. And I stopped being a little punk. And I did everything I could to graduate. And I, I worked my butt off. And I got into college. And, you know, I just lived, I kept living my best life. And you know, up until now, I'm like, you know, I have a choice to be really sad and emotional about things that have happened, or I can manifest my own destiny. And if I really am eager to learn something or go somewhere new or do something extraordinary, then I have all the ability to to do it. You know, mm. it's just me. Exactly. It's so true. Make sure you subscribe to Ants Talk. Now, your stepmother and your father did break up, but she banned you from seeing your baby sister. And yes, I believe so- you still haven't seen her. 
yeah, so I have an estranged sister. Um, and it's really awful. Um, I used to, so, so back to when I was 16, my stepmother was pregnant and when she was due and had my baby sister, um, she wouldn't let me hold her for the first couple weeks. And I was like, why? You know, and I asked my dad, I was like, I love babies. Like my baby sister, like I'm 16. Like I've always wanted, I, I was an only child up until that point. And he was like, look, Arlene, um, my stepmom thinks that you're going to hurt the baby. And I was like, I'm not the one that's abusive here. <laughs> Anything like you, you are. <laughs> and, and so finally came around and I was able to, you know, take care of my baby sister and I fell in love with her. And mm. I mean, I'd come home from school just to play with her and we spent, you know, the first few years of her life together until they moved and I went off to college and they ended up breaking up and I would go visit them. They lived in California. I went to visit them a couple times. And then one day she was just so sick of my father who ended up leaving them and moving to Vietnam and not saying a word to anyone. And no one knew where he was for a few years. And she felt like, you know, he abandoned them. And so she didn't want anything to do with her family. Yeah. And she blocked me off email. She blocked me on the, the telephone. She blocked me off Facebook. Um, she just did not want to be around me. And up until this day, I try to reach out to her because she does talk to one of my aunts still. And I try to get my aunt to tell her, like, let's reconnect. And she's just like, look, I don't have any good memories with you. So, and, you know, I was like, well, I have a sister. My sister is missing out on a whole relationship here, you know. And now it's been over 10 years. My sister's now 14. And I feel like that is such a age where she needs support from someone mm. other than her immediate family you know i mean if when i was 14 i wish i had an older sister to tell me you know just to be there yeah and so i'm kind of just waiting till for another few years until she turns 18 and i think i think that's yeah i think that's the best way to hold hope because i know a few people that are in similar situations with children um, and the hope that you can hold is that when they become of age, they might seek you out. And that's, that's where you've got to hold that hope. Right. And, you know, I have to respect that she is still a minor and yeah. you can't be like waiting for her outside of school. I still have to respect no. her mother. That's correct. So, yeah. So it's, it's a few more years now. Yes. Oh, well, hopefully it will pass and she will come seeking you. I think it would be amazing to be reconnected. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. Now, you also run an offshore sailing business called Ocean Passages. What yes. brought you to sailing? Well, okay. So when I was growing up, my uncle was a flight attendant and he would just put me on planes and would kind of 
I'd go stay with an aunt for a month or I'd go, you know, spend a summer in California with random cousins. And um, I was very comfortable with flying. And this was pre 9-11 where, you know, people could just go up to the gate and pick me up. And um, so at a young age, I was very used to traveling. And as I was growing up and figuring out what I wanted to do with my job, I just... I always knew that I wanted to keep traveling and exploring because what really changed me uh, for the better was going to all the new places and meeting new friends and seeing how people lived yeah. and seeing how um, other families treat each other. And I started realizing like, look, my family isn't the I don't want to like put them down because they're doing the best that they can do, but there are other families who are, who do, who have more emotional support for each other, who listen to each other, who, you know, provide other things than what my family did for me. And they're happy. And I just started noticing that, you know, different people do different things. And when I realized that, I kept wanting to meet more people and I kept wanting to learn different cultures and live in different areas of the country. And um, when I um, was living in New Mexico, my husband and I, um, we weren't married yet, but our friends asked us if we wanted to go to Florida and learn how to sail. And we were like, okay. So, we were all living in the desert in landlocked New Mexico, and we packed everything up, sold everything in a garage sale, and moved to Florida. <laughs> and we bought a sailboat and learned how to sail. And we did that for a few years. And then my husband and I started uh, delivering boats and working as crew and on, on different size boats from 40, I guess, 10 meters and up. So I've worked on almost 30 meter yachts. Yeah. And I went from being a stewardess to a deckhand and then to a mate. And I also went and got my um, yacht cookery course from Spain. So I became a chef as well. Amazing. And yeah. So I just... I, we have skills as professional crew. And when Nathan and I bought our current boat, we were like, hey, maybe we can run offshore training passages. Um, an author actually kind of took us in, mm. an author's wife. Um, he had already run a business, a similar business for about 20 years. And he wants to go on a circumnavigation. So he had clients that have... Um, interest in sailing the east coast of the U.S., Bahamas, and the Caribbean, and was like, hey, maybe I can fill your boat with some of my clients, and if you guys start a business, then we can partner. And so we just started our business this year, and after refitting our boat all of most of all of last year, and um, yeah, we 
we start a business during a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, you know what I've been thinking myself is because being in lockdown and everything here, I've thought to myself, what would be the perfect, pl- where would be the perfect place to be right now? And I believe that's on a boat because you can still get out and get about and go and see different things where you don't even have to set, set foot on land really and just keep avoiding places, going to a new place. So yeah, it's, it's funny because when we're doing long offshore passages, uh, for instance, we crossed the Atlantic Ocean on a um, catamaran a few years ago and we went from France to Madeira to the Bahamas and then to Florida. And that took us four weeks. So being secluded out in the middle of the ocean, um, trying to, you know, stand watch and keep the ship clean and, you know, take turns making food. We all, we all got really used to being alone for periods of time. So during quarantine, you know, we were, we're really up, not upset, but you know, we did what we had to do. We were going to leave for the Bahamas on our first passage in March, and then they closed the borders two days before we were supposed to leave. Yeah. And um, we were like, oh, well, it is what it is. So then we quarantined for like four weeks on the boat. And everyone's like, how did you do that? <laughs> Easy. <laughs> yeah. That's our life. <laughs> I love it. So Vivian, what, um, tell people where they can find more about you and your business. So you can find us at sailoceanpassages.com. Um, I'm also a photographer. and I know. I saw some and they're beautiful. Thank you. Um, let's see. My website is vivianvong.com. That's V-I-V-I-A-N-V-U-O-N-G.com. And we're on Facebook and, and Instagram at Ocean Passages. And then my photography is at Visa, V-I-Z-A Media. Fantastic. Vivian, I want to thank you so much for coming onto the show and sharing your story. It's very brave of you. And I wish you all the best for your future. And you're knocking knocking them out of the park. So just continue on with your journey. Thank you so much for having me, Anthony. And it's nice pleasure. to meet you. You too. And enjoy that beautiful view. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. Speak soon. Ants talk. It's like Oprah, but not.